Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week, Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. What's up, boys? Happy Wednesday afternoon. Borky, I'm in the same place as you, and... I get to see the blue blockers in person. Good look. It's a pretty good look. <laughs> Forky's got his glasses on. Very professorial. The only thing you're missing is a tweed sports coat. You need a tweed with the, jacket. With, with the elbow patches. I For, thought about getting the ones that are like the really small circles look extra academic, but I couldn't you, bring myself to do it. They were of, cheaper is why I was considering them. It'd make you look like Woody Allen. Yeah, yeah I don't know if I want to. Yeah, I'm not sure that's yeah, the, you know, the look that you're you're going for. Uh, Professor Borky, though. They help so much. I'm not even kidding. No headaches, sleeping better? None. Zero. I, I mean, I would go home and like my eyes would just be bloodshot and my head would be tired. Cause well, I'd, if you so, turn the lights on in there instead of living in that cave... Well, the fluorescents day. were even a bigger problem. So I turned the fluorescence law off and got a little lamp, so it's dark, but it, it's a lot better and it's still just... Yeah, but your, your office is like a cave. That's why the blue... I mean, like, if you had regular lights on with the computer screen, it would seem yeah, but, normal. Yeah, but they're, fl- they're bright fluorescence, man. There's nothing I could do about that. They, I mean, lamp. I have one. That's that's what I'm doing now. It's like a little bitty yellow yellow bulb lamp that sits in the corner. It's like he, he, he's, like, perched over his computer screen, like, typing away. Like, Well, the beauty of it is you can't hermit. tell if I'm in there or not, so people walk by and look, and you can't see me right away, so they keep walking. Why are you antisocial? I'm not antisocial. I just you are antisocial. I think you are. I, I'm much more antisocial now than I used to be. I used to, you know, go out six days a week when I was in college. But I, I just yeah, kinda, that was a different issue. <laughs> a little bit different issue. Um, no, I just I, I there's a lot of things I want to do during the day, and I love everybody that works here. But also, uh, conversations distract me, and and I feel like I lose time, and I want to make sure I get everything done during the day. Um, you're a denier also. <laughs> you're denying that you're antisocial. <laughs> All these reasons Man, are no, just I'm, denials. I'm social. It's just the older I get, the more I realize that the general public that is you don't like people, people I don't want to be around. <laughs> hey, Dad, what's up? What's going on, guys? Uh, everything's good. You sound chipper on a Wednesday. I'm in a great mood because, uh, as you may have just seen on Twitter, and you can certainly see tomorrow at supertalk.fm, just wrapped up about 90 to 100 minutes of podcasts with the one and only Jake Mangum. An hour and a half? Oh, yeah, he talked. He had plenty to say. Really? Yeah. Give me uh, give me some highlights. Ah, uh, Man, we talked about it. Uh, a, a ton of baseball stuff. Got his thoughts on last year. Got his thoughts on the, this upcoming year. He's very high on this team. 
Uh, he had some comments about the Vanderbilt Commodores and their scholarship situation. We'll talk about that. We're going to tease that. Did he there. go into detail on that? He talked about it a little bit. So there is now. Now Jake is a little different than maybe just your average college athlete. He's pretty engaged and pretty bright. Not that others aren't bright, but but engaged. I think would be the right word. But did you get the sense that a lot of players? understand, know, realize what Vanderbilt is offering versus what's offered everywhere else? I think he, that, that is a very fair assessment, yes. Okay. Got his thoughts on the, uh, the, the name-image likeness uh, debate, okay. the, the uh, college, the third assistant debate, the uh, potential, I've seen this coming out, that they could allow seniors to, uh, to not be on scholarship, or not count against the scholarship limits. His thoughts on that. He talked about, you know, not being on scholarship himself the past couple of seasons in Starkville and why he did that and a lot of great stuff. So definitely want to check that out. It'll be up, you know, later this evening and then of course tomorrow morning, uh, wherever you get podcasts. You have uh you have captured my attention. I look very forward good. to uh look forward to listening to that. And theme. he also made it very clear to me, he said, Hey, I'll be happy to come on this show anytime you guys want me. So that will make that happen uh, very soon too. Yeah, that's good. That'll be fun. He can sit down with us uh, one of the days. During, maybe at some point during the playoffs, we can uh, can get in. Well, he he wanted. He said that uh, he's actually headed, and I'll, I'll give away a little bit. Of this. November first, he heads to the Dominican Republic for instructional league. Okay. So he said, if we wanted to talk to him in October, you know, maybe like the last week of October, yeah, it would be perfect. Well, I mean, that's right I, in the thick of it. Yeah. What, what if I'm? What am I? If I'm at the World Series at that point? Well then, we will. We can certainly find. You have a Comrex, so we'll certainly make it happen. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure something out. Figure out a way to do that. Rippy, what's up? Not a whole lot. Just hanging out. Typical Wednesday. Yeah. Excited about the players that you're not going to get to talk to today. Yeah, we hit all the pressing issues last night. Yay, college paranoia. <laughs> they hit you're... the adversarial stage early, though. What do you mean? The us against the media, all that junk. Well, you think Ole Miss has gone down the us against the media? I'm not saying full on like that, but like the amount of the people that were requested versus the people that we got were perplexing. So yesterday after practice, you visited with Kadir Shepard and who? Ty Nix, um, Royce Newman, and Jack Bicknell Jr. Okay. So two coaches. And an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. What's the storyline for Ole Miss going into this week? Um, I would think whether or not John Rice Plumley is going to uh, play after he started at Alabama, and whether or not uh, Matt Corral's healthy. You can just make it broader the quarterback situation, but sure. Okay. So what's Ole Miss trying to protect? Don't know. Is there a lack of trust there? I don't know. I don't. Not, they treat us great ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time. That was just my one complaint. Don't really want to get further into it. All right, fair enough. So you're just frustrated. Yes, and bored. <laughs> Kadir Shepard was actually kind of entertaining, wasn't he? He did. He said John Rice Plumley's going to start, and then he said that the Ole Miss is going to do a lot of combo stuff to get after Vanderbilt's quarterback. Followed by, "Oops, I wasn't supposed to tell you all that." <laughs> that's why they don't send them up there, I tell you. That is... Um, yeah, but that's not really saying anything. 
No, he, it was everyone got a good laugh out of it. That's about as much stock as you should put into it. Hmm. Fair enough. Uh, we got a bunch coming up with you this afternoon. Bill Bender from the Sporting News, who we always enjoy visiting with us, is going to uh, stop by and chat. And also from the Atlanta Braves Radio Network, Ben Ingram will join us. We will uh, talk with him. He's the radio play-by-play voice for the uh, for the Braves. They begin a series with the Cardinals tomorrow. You had Major League Baseball playoff action yesterday. It was pretty darn good. The Brew Crew jumped out to a 2 to nothing lead. They were ahead 3-1 to one going into the bottom of the eighth inning. By the way, Brandon Woodruff from Wheeler, Mississippi, threw four innings and pitched quite well. Drew Pomerantz threw in the game for uh, Milwaukee and pitched quite well. It was the stud closer, Joe Hader, who got into a little uh, trouble at the uh, the end of the ball game. Three to one lead, three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning for the Nats, and it kind of felt like the top of the ninth was academic at that point. They were able to get three outs at the end of the ball game. The Nationals advance to meet the Dodgers on the West Coast starting on tomorrow, right? Thursday? Friday. Okay, they pushed it to Friday because they got, that's right. So I got to go across the coast. So that's on Friday. What did you think last night? I thought the Brewers had a really nice plan pitching-wise. I thought the two guys from Mississippi did exactly what they were asked to do. Woodruff pitched very well, gave them four innings. Uh, they got one from Suter, two from Pomerantz, and set it up for their best gun, Josh Hader, and he just simply didn't have it, and Washington won. I mean, really, really easy to do this in, in your postgame analysis because they set it up exactly they want, how they wanted to to get to Hader at the end of the ballgame. Given the way Pomerantz was pitching, two innings, no hits, couple of strikeouts, would it have made more sense to leave him in there and try and stretch him out for another inning? No, I would go to Hader 101 times out of 100. Okay. So they did it right. It just didn't work out. It just didn't have it. It happens. I'm not a huge fan of the one-game deal, but, I mean, it happens, and Washington won. The better team probably won. Scherzer was okay. Five innings, four hits, gave up a couple of long balls, struck out six. Strasburg was incredible for the Nationals. In fact, the reason that the Nationals probably win that game is because of Steven Strasburg. Yeah, he was really good. I there was probably some debate as to whether he should have started the game. Like I'm talking about beforehand, not even hindsight. But you know, I mean, Scherzer's not exactly a bad alternative. It'll be no. interesting to see what they do in Game Two because I don't know if either one of them will be ready. But they'll go Patrick Corbin Game One, and then after that, it'll be interesting. They're probably not going to fare too well against Rue in Game One, but after that, it'll be interesting to see how that lines up. Borky, did you make it through the entire game? I know your plan was to watch it all. I watched every pitch, believe it or not. Did you enjoy it? Enjoyed it. Yeah, pretty darn good. I wasn't went into it? it thinking I wasn't going to, and then you hit a two-run bomb in the first, and then I'm in. Tampa Bay at Oakland tonight, seven o'clock ESPN, trying to decide the final team that gets into a division series. Winner of that will meet the Houston Astros. Sports Talk Mississippi just getting started with you on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. Richard Cross, Michael Borky. Brian Haydad and Brian Scott Ripping. More after this. Sit tight. Hey, Rippy, you were wrong. What? Rip, you were wrong. Was it Thursday night? Yes. Tomorrow afternoon, 4.02 Central on TBS. So while we are on the air, St. Louis and Atlanta 
and then scheduled with the uh, for a seven thirty seven start on TBS, the Nats and the Blue Men, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Nice. Yeah. So four is it four games? You're so predictable, hey Dad. That's okay with me. I, I'm down with being predictable. Is it three or four games Thursday? Only two games on Thursday. So on Thursday you get Cardinals Braves at four oh two. Nats Dodgers at 737 on Friday, 105 Central on FS1. Yeah, I don't think I get that channel right now. Thanks, Dish. Uh, The winner of tonight's game between Oakland and Tampa Bay against the Astros. 337 TBS, Cardinals Braves. Uh, 607 Twins Yankees on MLB Network. And then 837 Nats Dodgers game two. Explain to me why they have to start games at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday when there's only two of them. I mean, that makes no sense to me. You've so, got one in Atlanta and one in L.A., right? Yeah. But you don't want to miss all those East Coast TV markets. But instead, you're missing everybody that's at work. Oh, I love daytime playoff baseball. I, I mean, I, I bet it's great. The, the opposite some, end of that complaint, though, Borky, is people getting mad that World Series games start so late. I mean, they don't go first pitch until yeah. like eight o'clock, which is nine o'clock on the East Coast, but, eight o'clock where we are, so that they can hit the prime time window on the West Coast. But they're the only show in town at that point. You've got to stagger two games, so one of them being a little bit later is okay. I'm just I'm surprised they don't because you've got to sacrifice viewers one way or the other, right? Because starting at four o'clock, you're going. I mean, that's just how it is. You're going to have a smaller audience because people do work and kids have soccer practice and stuff like that. You also got Thursday Night Football tomorrow. Oh, that's oof. yeah, that's unfortunate. But I'm surprised they're picking the, the day audience over the late night audience. Because everybody else picks the late night audience. Yeah, so you're looking at 402, which is 502 in the East, but I mean, again, you're, you're going first pitch for that Nats-Dodgers game 837 on the East Coast. I guess there's no real good way to do it, is there? I mean, when, you, when you're talking about the, the Eastern time zone, what are you going to – I mean, if you started that game at 7.30 West Coast, then you're talking 10.30 on the East? You're going to lose the markets of New York and Philadelphia and Boston and – The people that care. Maybe that's exactly whatever why Whatever in South Florida, Charlotte, D.C., you know, et cetera, et cetera. I was about to say, look at the markets that care. It's the Northeast, and then whatever mar- whatever other markets are in the postseason. Yeah, including the Nationals in this situation. So are you going to start a Nats game at 10.30 on the East Coast? Uh, to me, that's time. It's already starting at yeah. 8.30. Um, but again, rewinding, I wish they would take and play at least one World Series game during the daytime. Preferably not the Saturday game, since we're still in the middle of college football season. Uh, I don't know. I, to me, there's just some that that Friday. The, so this Friday, we will have baseball that begins playoff baseball that begins at one o'clock in the Central Time Zone, and will go until basically midnight. I think that's one of the coolest days on the of the year. It's almost kind of, I mean, if you're a baseball fan, it's almost like it's a holiday. A similar feel in a way to the NCAA tournament. Yes. Games going on during the day, and they're basically all day long. Yeah. 
You're out on this, aren't you, Hey Dad? I'm out. Not going to watch Braves games? No. I, I, you know, I figured Joel let me know what happens. Joel's headed over there. Our, my podcast partner, Joel Coleman, he'll be in Atlanta tomorrow night. Really? Yeah. We might have to... Uh, let's see. They, well, no, they'll be playing while we're on the air. Probably not going to jump on with us at, uh, at that point. Buddy, you couldn't get him to talk? No. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, I understand. That's cool. It'll be a really neat environment for uh, for that ball game. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi Ceasefire text line is open 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Ceasefire customer inspired. You got to help me understand though, hey dad, why it is that you're completely checked out on baseball's postseason. I understand that you're a Giants fan and they're not in, but you're also a sports fan. I mean, you, you don't skip out on the Super Bowl if the Saints aren't in it, do you? No, but I watch it with a lot of disinterest. I didn't watch much of the NBA playoffs this year. Outside of college football and pro football, basically it's football. Uh, college basketball, I'll watch the NCAA tournament because that's that's very that's very uh, captivating. But I, I just I can't get into it. It, it, it really is sort of a, a niche for me uh, as far as far as baseball goes. In that, if my team's in there, great. But if not, I, I just you know I'm just not that into. Plus, the Dodgers being good just just irks me. It just irks me. I mean, you're really hanging on to that. For I a guy like that them. doesn't exactly live on the West Coast and have to deal with Dodger Blue all the time? Uh, yeah, I just don't like them. Hmm. Paul in Starkville, you, you asked this question yesterday, Paul, and w- we responded to it. Um, maybe you missed it, so I will uh, absolutely go through this one more time. And uh, certainly if Dad has anything new to add to it, um, we can do that. You say, do you guys think that Rutgers will succeed in maybe hiring Joe Moorhead? Uh, your opinion. And my opinion yesterday and today and tomorrow and the next day is and will be no. I do not. Because it's not a good of, uh, as good a job. It is in another Power 5 conference, but it's lower on the totem pole in that conference. He is making a ton of money. At Mississippi State, they went to a bowl game a year ago. They are likely to go to a bowl game again this year. Does Joe Moorhead feel a little bit of pressure from fans? I guess. Maybe so. Um, I, I would think that you would have to kind of be living in a cave not to feel some level of discontent that's out there. But at the same time, when you're in the middle of a season – you, you kind of get in the tunnel vision mode where you can't spend a lot of time worrying about what other people think and what's going on. you got to do what you believe is best for your team. And other than the fact that it's closer to home, it's not like, uh, what is it, New Brunswick, Piscataway, New Jersey, is um, it's not like that's in Pittsburgh or, or exactly where in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, same part of the country – but but what's the upside? Other than maybe pressing the reset button to go take a more difficult job than the one that he's got. That that's all I got for you on that. So no, I, I just I don't think there's a scenario right now where that's the case at all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said and just to put a little officialness on it, uh, you know, as much as, as he's willing to tell us. Morad told us uh, yesterday in his press conference that he had not been contacted by, by Rutgers and yeah, he gave all obviously all the right answers about you know he's committed to doing things here at Mississippi State. Yeah, 
Well, that's... Um... I've heard that stuff before, <laughs> just, just for the record, yeah. from a different guy. Ah, well, I love it here. But uh, Yeah, but this has such a that. different feel to it. Well, yeah, because it's year two. And, and it's Rutgers. It's Rutgers. That, that, and yeah. it's Rutgers. Right. Mullen, you know, there was a lot of talk that he was, uh, that Miami was interested in him in 2010. And now, okay, fine. That's Miami, you know? They were, they weren't even a decade removed at that point from their last national title appearance. So, uh, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, and that's one that. of the, that's one of the sexy jobs in all of college football. Sure. But Rutgers is a little different. Uh, that, that's, yeah. What were the other jobs that popped up along the way that Mullen was associated with? Maryland? Maryland. Um, nah. I mean, that I one... think he was back. Back in the Miami mix uh, when they hired uh, Richt. Um, loosely connected to Tennessee. Yeah. Well, I, I, he I don't think mentioned loosely, anyway in well, the well, search. Well, that wasn't, he used he Tennessee was, to get a. He used Tennessee as leverage. To get what job? His current job? Florida. Are you going back Florida. to when they hired Butch Jones associated with Tennessee? No, he wasn't, he wasn't at that time, I don't think. But it was, His name was mentioned in both. All right. So, well, okay. So let's back up. He wasn't loosely associated with Tennessee. Yeah. He told Tennessee he was taking the job. Yeah, he, he if, was if, going if, if to Scott Strickland the hill. doesn't come in. Yeah, if Scott Strickland doesn't come in the last minute, Dan Mullen is coaching is is answering a lot of tough questions about Tennessee. I don't think they'd be as bad, but he would be at Tennessee today. He he's wearing orange pants and a white top and singing Rocky Top. Yeah, if not for the phone me. call, I mean they had agreed in principle he was going to that job. Was not going to be the head coach at Mississippi State. Was going to be the head coach at Tennessee. And then Florida reaches out and rest is history. So Aaron in Gulfport, he says, that Dan Mullen voice kills me. I just laughed so hard. Yeah, thanks. appreciate that. Paul said he missed it yesterday, so thanks for addressing it again. You got it, man. Appreciate you listening and uh, reaching out on the C Spire text line. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. It's been a couple of weeks, so we are glad to have Bill Bender back. He is on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. What's up, Bill? Hey, not much. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Good, good. Are you excited about this weekend? Last weekend was one of those weeks where we didn't really have a whole lot on the schedule, and... We didn't really have anything that just like super delivered that was kind of below the radar. This week's a little better, but not like crazy good. At start October, you know, Auburn, Florida will be huge. I think that's going to be an ugly game, but, um, you know, it's kind of the team that gets a run game going. Big weekend in the state of Michigan with Michigan playing Iowa and Michigan State playing at Ohio State. Um, I think those are the games kind of to zero in on. I'm actually. I know what's going to happen, but I want to know by how much. I think that the how much will determine how much we overreact to Tennessee and Georgia. Okay, let's start there. Uh, Georgia, what, a 24-and-a-half point favorite in the game. Uh, Tennessee has got their issues on the field, and now they are having more and more issues pop up off the field. How untenable is that situation getting in your mind? Pretty bad. I mean, you know, I think in, in their case, you got to wonder how. What? Well, okay, I'll put it to you this way. I was there two years ago when Georgia beat them forty-one nothing, and you knew it was over for Butch. You just didn't know who the next guy was going to be. And so, if they could beat forty-one nothing again, I think we'll all kind of sense. Well, it might be over for Jeremy Pruitt. Well, who do they hire? 
You know, that that's the big question. And I, I don't have Richard, I don't have a perfect answer for that. And I think that's part of the problem with Tennessee in general. And if you make a change, don't you run the risk of just continuing this revolving door cycle that they've had not only with football coaches but with administrators as well at Tennessee. At some point, you've got to believe in something enough that you choose to hang on to it through the difficult times, don't you? Yeah, and they've gone through Dooley and Kiffin. And the late, I, was, I remember the late Fulmer years were rough. So knowing that, um, you know, do you want to start over again? And, and Butch, Butch, for all his paranoia with the media, uh, he did all right. I just don't know what their expectations are. I think they expect to compete with Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, uh, and they're not quite there yet. So I don't know. Part of me thinks they should persevere it through it with Pruitt and see what happens. And part of me thinks, you know, if you want T. Martin to be your coach, then make T. Martin the head coach. If you want, you know, to take a run, they're not going to take a run at Mike Leach because Fulmer prevented it, but why not? I mean, Mike, let's see what Mike Leach can do at a uh, Power 5 program. At least he would make it interesting. He would do that. How would that have played out if it had happened two years ago? I think poorly, personally, just because (laughs) here's here's my thing. You're all for it, but you think it would end in disaster. (laughs) I guess so. But here's my thing with Leach. You know, uh, last weekend, for example, when he's calling players fat and dumb, he does that in a Michigan or an Alabama or Ohio State. It just doesn't fly. You can't do that at this place. You can. He's great for us for quotes and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But how many Power Five coaches at the powerhouses are great quotes other than Dabo? You know what I mean? Like how many go off on those tangents that reporters love other than Dabo? I mean, Saban controls the message his way. He's not doing it for you. He's doing it to get through to his team. So. I just don't know that Leach would have played out well in Knoxville. I still want to see it, though. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I went back and reread the transcript from the Fat Little Girlfriends uh, press conference back in '09 when he was at Texas Tech. I, I don't think you can pull that one off either. No, you can't. And not, I mean, for all the consternation we have about Jim Harbaugh and his quirkiness, I mean, he doesn't do that. And he doesn't call out his players like in that fashion. I mean, we love him for it because it's good for content. But uh, I don't know. I, I think Tennessee's just stuck in a really tough spot. You know, they're trying the Saban assistant. They've tried literally everything since Fulmer retired. But it's been a problem that's dug that, that program since the Fulmer era kind of went south. My wife tells me that I take analogies too far sometimes, so tell me if I'm taking this too far. But I'm going to say that Rutgers last week was like orange sorbet for Michigan. Just a little palate cleanser, and now they got to go back and they got to eat something that's, uh, that's real again. That real yeah. thing is Iowa. How do we feel about this game? I think Michigan's going to win a tight one, and they're very similar teams. I think where, where Michigan gets them on this game – is on the perimeter with their receivers, and they kind of rediscovered that last week. They, oh yeah, we have some guys, the NFL guys that can catch the football. If it was at Kinnick, I'd feel differently. But I just, and I know Nate Stanley's an experienced quarterback, and he's not. You know, Michigan's going to have to generate some pressure against a solid Iowa offense. But 
I just feel like Michigan's got that extra two or three players that'll make the difference in an ugly one. They win, and it comes and goes because that's the M.O. with Harbaugh. When he does beat a ranked team that's not quite top ten, those wins come and go. Yeah, and and despite the consternation surrounding the Memphis, uh, the Michigan program, they are three and one, and they are still ranked in the top twenty. But that just doesn't matter, right? I mean, I mean until they beat a team that's top ten, top five, Ohio State, college football playoff, none of it matters, right? Get back, get back to me at the end of the month when they play Iowa on Saturday. I'll say they win that one, then they go play. They'll beat Illinois after that, and they'll be what five and one at that point, okay. and then then it gets real again. I mean, you know, Penn State on the road and Notre Dame at home. Those two, yeah. If Michigan's undefeated this month, they'll be right back where they need to be, and I think that's the uh, interesting challenge for that football team. I mean, they're capable of going to. I, I think what's going to end up happening is they win this one, they beat Illinois, and they somehow split Penn State and Notre Dame. And, uh, let's say they lose those two, Bill. Let, let, let's let's play it out where they lose to Penn State, they lose to Notre Dame, they lose to Ohio State, and they finish the regular season eight and four. What then? Well, I mean, probably one more year, and then 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 they'll see if they want to shift things because those are the games he's paid to win. Um, and Michigan State's in there too, and that's not going to be an easy out. They've got five games on their schedule that they could lose. I think they'll win the other. Well, however many they got left three, so they'll get the six at the minimum. So I think eight and four is a possibility. And if they they do, you know, they they'll be pretty loud critics because it'll feel like seventeen where they were eight and five and lost at South Carolina in the bowl game at the end of the season. If you were talking Heisman, which I know is ridiculous, on the second of October, Tua and Jalen and Justin Fields. And maybe Jonathan Taylor as well should be in the conversation, but he's just not right now because he's a running back and it's turned into a quarterback award. Tell me, because you live in Columbus, I'm curious, just how special right now is Justin Fields? He looked good. He looked way more comfortable than anybody dreamed he would look. Oh, and Joe Burrow, I didn't give him his credit. Yeah, Burrow would be there too. Those four quarterbacks, and then I would say – give Chubba Hubbard a little bit of love. He's almost got a 1,000 yards already. So I think he would be, either him or Jonathan Taylor will be the token running back that they put in there, okay. which is crazy. I did that math today. It's like there are running backs that go for two grand every year and they finish fourth in the voting. Um, it's wild. But so to answer your question, I, I think right now it's between Jalen and, and Tua, which that's what the network certainly want because Jalen's putting up these monster numbers in the Big 12. Tua's doing Tua's almost benefiting from the fact that he was so good last year because it's like kind of quiet what he's doing right now. He's better than he was last year. Those receivers are unstoppable. I mean, their fourth receiver is putting up record numbers. That's how good they are. So, I mean, that's my way of telling you. I think Alabama's the best team in the country right now, and I know they've got holes in defense, and I know they've got some concerns running football, but they're playing to their strengths. And their strength is one of the best receiving cores ever. I tried last week as I stood on the field in in Tuscaloosa at at Bryant-Denny to really closely watch Tua. And the only possible negative I can give you, because he drops dimes, he's got great pocket awareness, plenty of arm strength, touch when he needs it. I'm not sure how much he's reading defenses 
versus knowing that he's got receivers that are going to win the matchup and just picking receivers. Is that fair? Yeah, that is fair, and he's got a lot of guys that can run free. Um, you know, up here, and we're in NFL country too with the Bengals, I've been telling my Bengals buddies, you got to go get him. Go get him. Go, go get the one you can get because I think the Bengals will have a shot at him this year, whereas next year there'll be a bunch of teams going after Lawrence. And Lawrence is starting to get nitpicked now, too. He the is. Picks and how Clemson looks. I think you could make an argument. I don't. I would rather have Lawrence, I'll be clear. But you can make a pretty sound argument that you'd rather have Tua at the next level right now because of his accuracy. And, yeah, I mean, some of that is, yeah, his guys are going to win. And, like I said, that's I'd be the best – I put it right up there with the Miami teams that had Reggie and Andre and and Santana Moss. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of level of receivers he has. Hey, Bill, 10 seconds. Auburn or Florida? I know you said ugly. Who wins it? I like Auburn. I think Auburn wins 28-17, and then we start talking about whether or not they belong in the top six. 28-17, that would be another really impressive win, adding to the most impressive resume this year in college football. Bill, you're the best. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. That's a smart college football guy. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to have you along this afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Don't forget that you can make plans to stop by and see JT at Costas's place Friday at the State Fair for the 5th Annual Super Tailgate event brought to you by Southern Beverage. Be sure to come by and register for some great tailgating prizes like a TV, grill, and gun safe, Yeti cooler, and a whole lot more. Got to be present to register and to win. It's brought to you in part by Southern Beverage, Divinity Equipment, Farm Bureau, Cowboy Maloney's, Remington Lot Farms, a complete flag source, Mississippi Gunworks, Bay Point Country Club, and Discount Gun Safe. Rippy, did you go up, grow up going to the fair? Yeah, I did. That was a uh, solid date spot in the fifth, sixth grade years. How, so, at what age did you stop going to the fair? Or do you like stick with it all the way through high school? Uh, no, probably somewhere in middle school. Like when you could start like driving and such, probably. Mm-hmm. There's a big spot where you get the mom to drop you off, show off the wing at the uh, knock over the cans thing. <laughs> My arm wasn't very good. What's the most money you spent playing one of those games at the, um, at the fair? <laughs> Not too bad, I don't think. I, I don't know about a single game, but like that stuff gets expensive between like the tickets and the food and the... like wristbands and such like getting on rides and i don't know probably not i don't I don't think i ever went too overboard on one single game yeah i get that that's fair enough uh hey dad were you ever a fair guy like the, the mississippi state fair i've never been in my life really yeah you need to road trip it with your girls for a, uh, a fair trip that would be a great idea like if the weather cooperates and you know states on the bye week which they are well, I didn't. I didn't think about it this week. Well, it's only Wednesday. I have plans. You know what plans do you have? You never leave your house. I'm cooking out. Like in your backyard? Yeah. 
I've invited people over. Uh, I'm going to do some pork loin. I'm going to do uh, some boudin and some other uh, smoked sausage. Do you and, invite uh, I'm that do... chick from PETA? Huh? Is she, she, that anybody, from PETA? anybody from PETA is welcome to show up, but they have to eat what I serve them. <laughs> hmm. Have you guys heard about the uh, the attempt that Georgia is making to create a red and black checkerboard in Neyland Stadium this weekend? Oh, no. I hope they pull it off. You know, Georgia like took time on their hands. a giggity gazillion fans to the season opener against uh, na- uh, against Vanderbilt. And I don't think the demand for tickets from Tennessee fans is very big right now. It, it's almost like Georgia rolling into Neyland Stadium with, what, somewhere between twenty five and 35,000 fans in tow would be worse than Tennessee just losing to Georgia. I mean, that that's like a... There's some pretty strong hate in that rivalry, or what used to be a rivalry. If Georgia rolled into Neyland and kind of took that stadium over... I could see that going poorly in Knoxville. By the way, quick sidebar that somewhat related, for whatever reason on my YouTube page yesterday, the Georgia-Tennessee Hail Mary popped up. I feel like that game's not talked about as the most bonkers endings of all times. Tennessee was up in that game 28-24, and Georgia had the ball at the 47-yard line with 19 seconds left, and two touchdowns were scored after that. When are you talking about? The Josh Dobbs Hail Mary in 2016, I guess, October 3rd, 2016. The Dobbs nail boot. Yes. That game, Tennessee was up 28-24. to Georgia had no timeouts with 19 seconds left, and two touchdowns were scored in that span. Georgia had the ball at midfield. An incredible, incredible day of college football that was. you gotta, you got to walk me through how that ended. So, Georgia has no timeouts left. Tennessee, basically, if you make... I know college rules are a little different with the first town thing, but a tackle inbounds on the right spot, and the game is over. And Jacob Eason hits Ridley down the sideline for a 47-yard touchdown. Tennessee safety and defensive back blew it. Then, that ha- the touchdown happens with roughly 12 seconds left, so it's 31-28 Georgia. Like, Georgia couldn't have kicked a field goal. They're at midfield with no timeouts. Then an excessive celebration basically put the ball up to midfield, so Josh Dobbs had one last heave with 10 seconds left, or seven, it looked like four seconds actually, and they caught the Hail Mary. So he had two touchdowns in 19 seconds when one team had no timeouts in the ball at midfield. Lead changed hands twice again. You ever want to have a laugh, find the Georgia announcers when that happens. That's what this this, this video, this video had the Tennessee and Georgia radio. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Bob Kessling, great pro. The Georgia guys are a bunch of we and us guys, and they did not take it well. They are two touchdowns, nineteen seconds, big time we and us guys. <laughs> so it's twenty four to what did you say? 24, 28, 28, 24, 24 with nineteen we, seconds left. Georgia has it basically at midfield at the UT forty seven, and two touchdowns happened. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, 
where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. If you're a farmer in North Mississippi, know you're out picking cotton right now. Maybe you are harvesting beans. Would you be cutting anything else? Beans and cotton, probably it. Is there anything else being harvested this time of year? Wheat would have been a long time ago. Corn would have been a long time ago. Uh, You might have to help me on that. I think it's just beans and cotton right now, though. Anyway, uh, Strider in Indianola sent us a uh, a picture earlier on the the C Spire text line. Uh, He was on a combine cutting beans. Anyway, point is, if you're a farmer in North Mississippi and you've got land financing needs of any kind, let Mississippi Land Bank help you mslandbank.com Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land Rippy were you about to jump in and help me on other things that might be being harvested right now nope I'm harvesting everybody's takes on this show other than that I don't really know anything Dan in Charleston says the only fair to go to is the Neshoba County Fair ah oh it's great but that's a summertime fair you get the midway you get the speakers and whatever but there's something about a fair in the fall. Zach in Oxford says rice. I didn't think that this was rice rice harvesting time. Maybe I'm wrong. Darren and Jackson says catfish are being harvested. Fair enough. Sweet potatoes? Okay. Tim in Belmont says they are working uh, they are harvesting corn now in northeast Mississippi. I guess I just think of corn as like a 4th of July crop. Oh, our good friends in Vardaman getting after it with those sweet potatoes. Have you ever seen any of those, one of those operations? Man. <laughs> that is a lot of sweet potatoes coming out of the ground. Peanuts also. Pecans before long. So, there we go, guys. We learned a lot today. It's not just cotton and beans right now. Did you file all that away? If nothing else, you learned something today. Uh, marijuana. Well, I've got a neighbor down the street that I think something's going on. Keep careful. Uh, y'all should see my neighbor. Uh, <laughs> hey, where's the... Is that over on here? Borky. What? Where is it? Where is what? The uh, the clip, the sound clip. Do you know where it is? One of the crops they're harvesting right now is... I'll try it again. You can't find it, can you? Well, it's on JT's board, and it's not organized particularly well. Wait, here it is. Here, here it is. One of the crops they're harvesting right now is... Marijuana. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody laugh? I, I, I'm laughing. I, you know, I don't know what that's you from. you found it, because yeah. I still can't find it. What do you mean you don't know who that's from? Listen to this again and tell me if you recognize this voice. Okay. Marijuana. Marijuana. Is that Borky? No. Marijuana. Is it Paul Harvey? It, it is Paul like Harvey. The rest of the story. God. <laughs> Somebody sent us a text that said, it's the Paul Harvey clip. Yeah. Once I heard go. it the second time, I knew who it was. But in the, in the moment, I, was, I didn't know what was going on. There you go. Lots. Uh, Jay says that Richard just got way too excited over the marijuana. Which is odd, because that's a uh, drug that mellows you out. Well, he spent his summer in Denver, you know. A lot of shops out there. 
Oh, yeah. I don't know if you know, but I've been to Amsterdam. Yeah? No, I haven't. I'm I'm just kidding. If you... um, Nah, never mind. (laughs) Yes, let's not. Never mind. Um, All right, so we were talking about Tennessee, and this was a very natural, uh, a very organic transition. This was not because of the story coming up. So you have problems on Rocky Top. On the field, obviously. Did you guys see what came out last night? The the yeah. body camera footage and the audio of what happened in Knoxville. Tennessee's Jeremy Banks, who is from Memphis, was arrested for a traffic-related violation. Really not a story. He got pulled over for a, uh, a U-turn, and he was driving with a suspended license. Whatever. I mean, we've all talked about the fact that seems like at some point, unless you are the most responsible of responsible people, you've probably had your license suspended somewhere along the way. I don't know what the percentage is. One out of two I'm, of us? I'm one. I've it's, done it. It's at least two on this show. I think it's three then. 75% of Americans have had their license suspended at some point. Well, no, Rippy has too. No, I haven't. You had to go to the thing to avoid it just the other day. It was technically right, and suspended. I avoided it because I paid he my ticket like it. a law-abiding citizen. Okay, I was thinking that technically it was actually suspended. Maybe not. Anyway, so you've never had your license suspended, Rippy? Nope. Okay, good for you. So three out of four. Tennessee linebacker Jeremy Banks. Sorry. I'm the rare good egg. Rare indeed. He apologized yesterday... And Vols coach Jeremy Pruitt condemned how Banks interacted with university police after a video showed Banks repeatedly using profanity after he was arrested last month on an outstanding traffic warrant. So, we've now come to two things. One, the fact that he got arrested, not the story. And now, if I can take exception with KnoxNews.com, the fact that he used profanity with officers, also not the story. The story is where a Tennessee football player says to an intern who is riding along with the cops, apparently training to be a cop or considering that as a uh, as a career, says, "Ma'am, I don't think you want to be an intern because where I'm from, we shoot at cops." I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. He also said to the officers. What would you do without that badge, though? That's all I want to know. Y'all wouldn't want to see me without that badge. I should have ran, tested y'all's speed. Y'all would have never catch me. That's what I should have did. Next time, I am. I promise you, never again y'all boys will take me to jail. Not UT police. So, okay, now that's a story. The University of Tennessee police were incredibly patient and incredibly accommodating with Jeremy Banks. And he kind of ebbed and flowed. It's like he was really rude and aggressive with them, and then he was nicer with them. At one point, asked if they could loosen his cuffs a little bit. They were too tight on his wrists. They obliged. Also allowed him three phone calls. Two to his head football coach. This was picked up on audio. During Banks' first call to Pruitt, 
He handed the phone to an officer who explained the situation to the second-year Tennessee coach. Pruitt told the officer that, quote, he thought Banks had paid the ticket, close quote, and asked the officer, why do you have to arrest him? Just because he has a warrant? He went on to say, this is the silliest curse word I've ever seen in my life. I got it. I understand. I've worked at four places, and I ain't ever had no crap like this except for here. Because the people usually say, hey, something's not right here. Now let's rewind to the beginning of this. Jeremy Pruitt condemns his player for how he talks to the police, Jeremy Banks. The audio of Jeremy Pruitt, I think, came out after it did. the body camera video footage of Banks came out, and he had released the statement condemning Jeremy Banks, and then the audio of how he talked to the cops about the fact that they shouldn't be arresting his football player came out a little bit later. I don't really care that you lost to Georgia State and lost to BYU. You can't do this. Can you? No. No, you cannot do that. Even though, I I mean... I kind of understand him. I work four places. Nobody does it this way. Why are you arresting my guy? Just because he's got a warrant out for his arrest? Uh, Yeah, coach, because he's got a warrant out for his arrest, and we just pulled him over again. And oh, by the way, he just talked about where I come from. We shoot cops. So, yeah. I think that came after Pruitt talked to the police, I think. I think this is a big story. I don't think that anything probably is going to come out of it. There have been some other big stories that have come out of Knoxville in recent years in which you think they could use that for termination with cause? Mm. How bad does Phil want him out? Ben Ingram joins us next from the Rays Radio Network. Braves have got some media stuff going on. We're going to talk to Ben Ingram a little bit later this uh, this afternoon. Look forward to that conversation as the Braves get set for uh, their first round division series game against the uh, Cardinals. I want to go back to the, the Tennessee thing for a second. If, if, if you gave me audio of Jeremy Pruitt talking to the officer in which he goes, man, are you sure you got to arrest my guy for this? I mean, he, he just, you got him for, for making a U turn illegally. You really got to take him to jail for that? Well, coach, we've got a warrant that's outstanding for his arrest, and we pulled him over. Yeah, no, I understand, but I mean, it just doesn't seem like, like, like we'll take care of that issue. I promise you. But is there, there's no way we can avoid him going to jail. No, sir, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Coach. We we have to do that. We've got to kind of follow our, our guidelines. At which point Jeremy Pruitt should say, I understand. Thank you, officer. I got no problem 
whatsoever with that because nobody wants to go to jail and nobody wants to see somebody close to them or somebody under their watch go to jail, right? Especially for something like that. Like, even the arrest warrant was for traffic stuff. Like It was no violent crime, nothing like that. Right. It was just traffic stuff. So, so if, if Coach goes down that road, zero problem. Like, like if Borky and I are out and Borky has made a fool of himself and he's in the process of getting arrested and I'm calm and like not worked up and not doing anything that would cause me to get arrested and I go to the cop and go, look, I, I'll take him home. I'll get him out of here. Is there anything we can do just to kind of defuse this situation so that he doesn't go to jail? I would do that for Borky or for for any friend that I was with, and I would hope that you know if the shoes were you know the roles reversed, you you'd do, have somebody do that for you as well. I would periscope Rippy getting arrested. I got to be totally honest. <sighs> of course you would. I have a buddy that I get that that he's he's mad because he's got another distraction to deal with. He was probably disrespectful. The first part with the dude talking to the intern about shooting cops is like the most disturbing part about this to me. No question, it is right. But I'm not. But I'm not letting Jeremy Pruitt off the hook when he starts talking to the cops about, in a very sarcastic voice. Well, fine, just go ahead and do your civic duty. This is the silliest shit I've ever heard of before. I've coached at four different places and nobody deals with it like this. University of Tennessee Police Department. You got to be kidding me. I got a problem with that. Yeah, I mean. Frustrated guy loses his cool with the cop. Like, I, I, wouldn't be the first time. Gr- Fair enough. Not a great, yeah, not a great look. I see what you're saying. I just, I, I, I guess I'm still hung up on the first part of it. Yeah. Like, like what football coach? Like, I would wonder if you did that to forty football coaches, the exact same scenario. Like, how many of them react favorably? There's a dip, but but you got to be at, at some point. You got to be the grown up. Oh, I don't disagree, and I just wonder if it from that lens. If that exact same scenario happened to the other fourteen SEC coaches, how many of them would be pleased with the audio that's later released? I, I'm honestly trying to think through the coaches in the league as you say as you say that. I'm sure Will Muschamp would handle it very calmly. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, I'm not letting him off the hook, Richard. You have a good point. I just it in that moment, like I I don't know. I'm not giving him a pass, but like I also am not shocked or surprised. What do you do with the kid? Oh, and what should a, Tennessee do to Pruitt? I mean, so line of secession here. What should Tennessee do to Pruitt? And then what should happen to the kid? Because he released a statement today that he definitely did not write, I'm apologizing. Somebody sends us a text message, ceasefire text line. He only talked like that because he didn't think it would come out. Well, sorry. And if you're in the back of a police car. It's a character issue, right? Well, that. And if you're in the back of a police car, you're being recorded. That'd be that, And then that becomes public information. Like, that will come out. You should know that. It's also he wrote the apology like, sorry, I lost my cool and called y'all like mall cops or narcs or something. Like, that was a way more extreme than what the apology made it sound. Like, didn't he say I used some language that was like, good Lord, man, you talked about shooting them. That, uh, I mean, 
Another message comes in that says, if the player was not under the influence of something, he ought to be kicked off the team for making that comment. And they didn't arrest him for being on the influence, so presumably he was not. Jeff, traveling on I-55, guys, you're missing the point. These guys are coaches, and deep down, they know nothing but football. That's not an excuse. One, that's not a good enough excuse. And two, I don't believe that to be true. They're the leaders of multi-million dollar operations now. They're not just coaches anymore. And and generally speaking, these guys are smart guys. Two sides to every story. Could there have been previous bad PR between the UT Police Department and UT athletes? Yeah. There's decades of contentiousness between the University of Tennessee Police Department and the University of Tennessee Athletics Program. Absolute true. Absolutely, that is the case. And it in no way excuses anything that happened in this story. It also doesn't mean the cops were wrong in any of those stages. Just because you have a police department that arrests your kid doesn't mean they're wrong. The cops, as Richard mentioned, could have been way bigger a-holes than they were. Seemed very patient. Luke says, and he says, these players have to know that everything you do is recorded in today's world. Everything. Most of the time, they do it themselves. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, <laughs> Keith Invaden says, can you imagine what Mike Leach would say? Cops are up there with their fat little girlfriends. Uh, Brent says, fire him with a cause. It won't hurt their season, and it'll go a long way with recruiting. Hey, seriously, can though, you, can can you use this to fire a coach with cause? Is that really enough? That, that's my question. You is, can is fire him with cause, and then you can wait on the lawsuit that will come. But wouldn't he have a fairly decent case in a lawsuit? Like, yes. You got fired with cause over this? Yes. But it is know, an interesting question, Borky. I would lean probably no. But you know they're they they're going to try when this season continues to go poorly. They're going to want to find a way to move on. Um, a lot of your texts coming in. Steve-O going with the punchline. He says even UTPD beats the Vols. <laughs> uh, Jim from Ripley says they're pretty smart, except maybe for Ogeron. Eh, I think you're probably selling Ed short if you want to say he's not smart. Oh, and honestly, at this point, given all that Ed's learned and all the like terrible things he's endured, I say terrible things he's endured, all the hard learning moments, he hasn't actually endured anything terrible, I would actually put him on the est- like of coaches that I think might handle it calmly, I would be more inclined to maybe put him on the calmer side at this point in his career. Maybe crazy. It's wild. I mean, we kind of joked about, oh, he's going to change now, but... I mean, he has given the reins of his football program to other people. And it's, I mean, could you imagine him doing that in 2005? If he had given the reins to somebody else in Oxford, they probably would not have had the full scrimmage during the weather delay against Wake Forest. I mean, that transition, because it's not like he was a kid then and now he's an adult man now. That's an adult man growing into a different adult man. To me, that's the most impressive thing about Ed Ogeron. The the way the harness is crazy. He has. He and and you know, I mean there's something in there probably about 
a tiger losing his stripes and you you know you can't ever I, I get that but he has figured out what works watch it watch it watch him on the sideline when's the last time you saw Ed do any coaching on the sideline not say I mean we know he's a good defensive line coach Ed is a recruiter and the highest paid cheerleader in America He's what Joe Paterno was at, towards the end, a figurehead. Joe Paterno did not coach for like the last decade at Penn State. I just refuse to compare well, anybody yeah, that's, in that's any scenario fair. to that's, Joe Paterno. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Bobby Bowden. That's a better example. Ed's a recruiter and an encourager and a cheerleader and a guy that can go after the officials and the guy that gets the credit and takes the blame. And bless him for it. Made smart hires, too. He has hired people around him that he trusts, both in the coaching staff and the operations staff. And he has harnessed a special kind of crazy and has a machine going in Baton Rouge, which is kind of what we've all always feared, right? I mean, if they ever figure it out offensively to go along with the recruiting and get out of their own way, look out. I mean, Nick Saban knew that was a special place. He's kind of admitted recently that if he had a redo, he might not ever leave LSU. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. We are glad to have you along. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395, C Spire, customer inspired. Several comments about Edo's run that have come in. Edo's run is a manager now. Managers must manage and allow subordinates to do their jobs. That's how a successful business has to operate. And so far, so good. That's the kind of place, as you mentioned earlier, that, I mean, we've all thought it. It's not an organic thought, but all you need is somebody to be there to not screw it up. That's a place where you can kind of win on your own. I mean, maybe not beat Alabama, because Les couldn't do that towards the end of his career, but it just requires baseline competence to win games at a place where you have in-state talent that per capita is better than any state in the country, and you fill up your stadium with 105,000 people every Saturday. You've got an in-game atmosphere that's unmatched by anybody else. All you have to do is just kind of show up and kind of know what you're doing, and you'll at least win games. Yeah, I mean, I guess Les Miles is the example there. You won a national championship. Yeah. It got weird towards the end, and he kind of lost it, but they still were winning football games. Because they were, I mean, it's because they were underachieving. Yeah. To, with all that you just laid out. But, I mean, you can go back and look. I mean, Curly Hallman, it didn't work there. It didn't work with Bill Arnsbarger. Yeah, there, there, there are lots of coaches where it hasn't worked. You've got to have the right guy. And Joe, look, when it's all said and done, Joe Oliva's legacy could very well be the hiring of Ed Ogeron, for which he was mocked and ridiculed and laughed at. Could be that he gets the last laugh. Now, I'm not really cutting Joe Oliva a ton of slack. Yeah, we'll see what happens with basketball, though. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't think they're... Do you think they're done? Do you think Will Wade coaches? And the game's... What, the first game's in 
what, five, this six year? weeks? Absolutely. He, he coaches through the entire season. Yeah, he does this year. Okay. Absolutely. Because somebody up in Indianapolis is dragging their feet a little bit. You heard the rationale behind that, right? Remember back in the summer we were promised you know, around six notices of allegations for all these big programs and we've only gotten two so far? I will actually be willing to give them credit that one of them is Kansas. Right, yeah, but the reason we haven't gotten so many, the, ra- the, the reporting is that they're wanting to spread out when these processes begin so the Committee on Infractions doesn't have to deal with massive cases all at the exact same time. So they're staggering when they hand down these notices of allegations to give the Committee on Infractions time to work on one case and then work on the next case and not six or seven major ones at once. Do you take issue with that? Honestly, no, because at least they can you know, focus on that. But at the same time, if you're done, why are you waiting? Fair point. It's like when you got a girlfriend and you know you don't want to be with her anymore, but you keep dating her for three weeks because, you know, you don't want to deal with the end. But yikes! Yeah, been there. I, I get what you're saying, but haven't we all seen firsthand that the inevitability or the dragging out of an NCAA case can be as bad as the penalties? Not can, is. Which, I mean, in the case of LSU, it's a little bit different. I mean, they're not actually undergoing an investigation right now, and it doesn't seem to be hampering their recruiting. Or maybe they are being investigated, but the official notice of allegations hasn't been handed down. I, I don't know. Doesn't seem to be slowing anything for Will Wade right now, I guess is the point that I'm making. When you're slinging offers like he is, I mean, you know, works out for you. All right, so notice of allegations follows what what's the first thing you get? A letter of inquiry? No, it's changed up a lot. It, it, I think I think you just get the notice. The notice is the letter of inquiry. Is that when the investigation begins or do they hand you the notice of allegation? I mean, they hit the the allegations have to come after an investigation. I know. I know what you're look, saying. Look, makes look sense. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to be weird here. So please don't. I mean, somebody should say, "Oh, well, Richard, if anybody knows how this goes, you should know." That that's a five year <laughs> window that it's almost like I just got so tired of. I just blocked the whole thing out. And so I don't even remember the process because Ole Miss got into a little bit of trouble with the. With the women's basketball stuff and the track stuff, and that kind of started the process, and then it expanded from there, and then you thought it was over, and then there was an amended note. I mean, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, at some point they got to investigate you, and then based on some of their findings, they hand you a notice of allegations, and then you got to de- the investigation has to be has to come before the NOA, right? Right. But they could have. I mean, which makes me think that they had investigated Kansas and gathered stuff, and now they've handed Kansas, Kansas, a notice of allegations. Correct. And the timeline toward penalties begins. Right. And that could 
drag let, out let, some. So, so hey, Dad, I, I know you remember this stuff better than I do, and I'm not even, I'm not even casting aspersions when I say that. I know what you're I, trying I, to say. I, I just, I know that. I know a guy we could call if we want to. Yeah, you know, I'll pass. Okay. Um, gonna be able to spell. So. <sighs> Ole Miss waited for a long time to get its notice of allegations after the investigation began, right? That sounds right. Yeah, I mean, right. okay. They started. It started. It started to leak out what like November or sorry January of sixteen. Oh man, right you could you could make all the dates up, and I'd say sure. I, 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 well, I don't I mean, remember. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. You know, November, like late. 15 to early 16 is when you start hearing, okay, there's an investigation, and Ole Miss, I think, admits to, you know, okay, we've got some women's basketball, some track, and this is where the whole, you know, we've got some football, but it's all on the old staff kind of stuff starts coming out. And then they have the first official notice down the road from that. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not being... At one point, I had some timeline document saved, and I just... I've moved on. Whatever. The point is, some more basketball programs are about to get shot to the moon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we Long got a, story short. Though. Jim and Ripley said, uh, guys, sorry, I didn't really mean to start that deep discussion with my smart aleck comment about Ed Ogeron. Yeah. yeah. Worked out. That's how these. That's how, that's how good conversations start, though. Someone makes a little offhand comment. Next thing you know, two hours later, two fists of whiskey later, you're, you're still talking about it. Jerry and Brookhaven. If y'all could ever get an interview with some NCAA guy or a former one, that would be a great interview. You got to go former because the current ones aren't going to tell you anything. Is Johanning Meyer retired? (laughs) I have some questions for him. I'm sure you do. Mike Sharon, is he still working or did he get he get fired? I think he's still up there. I could be wrong though. Yeah. It'd be good to get some of the true believers on the show, getting them to kind of explain the process. Especially now, because like all the walls are caving in. It's like that scene from Star Wars and the trash compactor. Just... I would like to know what the last week has been like at the headquarters. Probably miserable. With the whole name likeness, name image likeness deal. Yeah, I don't necessarily feel bad for them. Oh, I don't feel bad for them at all. Not one bit. I mean, you were like their biggest cheerleader for the longest time. Now you're down on them? First off. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know you're kidding. I was getting ready to make another joke. You gotta let the let me let me let me roll here. I got it. It's gonna be okay. I did see where everybody's favorite columnist, Dan Wolken, who used to refer to what happened at Ole Miss's crimes, is now anti NCAA. That was a nice little heel heel turn. Wait, Dan Wolkins anti-NCAA? Oh, yeah. He's like, what are they dragging their feet for? They need to get this done and all this stuff. And he, he literally, in a headline, called Ole Miss allegedly paying players at the time crimes. So, you know. There are a few bigger schmucks on planet Earth than Dan Wolkin, <laughs> if we're just being real. <laughs> That's just an example of like your entire identity being wrapped up into one thing. The <sighs> what was the original question about what? Do you like Popeyes or KFC better? That was the original question, I think. 
When is that chicken sandwich coming back, by the way? Never. It's apparently back. We talked about this last night. David Johnson said he got one the other day. I didn't want to call him a liar to his face, but I'm going to have to investigate. He said it's back. And why are they not making any fanfare out of it? I was I was going to go to Kroger to get some dinner, but hey, guess what's right next to Kroger? It's Popeyes. I was, Maybe they're not making going? any fanfare so people don't riot when it runs out again. I had somebody, it was Bob Sullender uh, down the hall here that told me that Popeyes was having, they make their most money on like those big family meals and their drive through was so flooded with people that were buying a $4 sandwich that they were actually like not happy about how popular it got. <laughs> Because nobody was waiting in line to go buy the more expensive stuff anymore. To buy the $34.30 piece? Yeah. Interesting. That's a family meal? If the history, if there's history books and like advertising and stuff, that is the most 2019 huh. marketing campaign of all time. I just get that for myself. Nick sends us a message, says he got one in Oxford yesterday. Sports Talk oh, Mississippi. Oh, it's on. The Bank Studio. <laughs> All right, sports history buffs, we've got something new for you. We're going to do this on Wednesdays at this time, wrapping up the 4 o'clock hour right before we get to 5 o'clock. This moment in sports history is brought to you by Acoustic Wave in Ridgeland. You can get wave therapy to treat many orthopedic conditions, including heel spurs, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, maybe you've got shoulder tendonitis, or a lot of other things. No incisions, no scars, no downtime, You can go back to work on the same day, and you can feel better. Contact Acoustic Wave today at AcousticWaveMS.com for more information, or give them a call, 855-563-6100. That's 855-563-6100. On this day in sports history, 1921 was the year. Babe Ruth hit his then-record 59th home run in the final game of the Yankees' regular season. The 1921 season was the third in a row in which Babe Ruth set a new single-season home run record. In mid-July, Babe Ruth surpassed Roger Connors' records, uh, record of most home runs for a career, which was 138, to become the undisputed King of Crush, the Sultan of Swat, the Sultan of Swat, the Colossus of Clout, the Great Bambino. Some lady named Baby Ruth signed the ball. <laughs> what? On September 15th, the Babe eclipsed his 1920 home run record by hitting his 55th of the year. In the Yankees' final game of the regular season, the Yankees hosted Ruth's old club, the Red Sox. They bit a three-run homer in the bottom of the third that brought his home run total for the year to 59 and gave the uh, the uh, Yanks a five-zip lead. Red Sox fought back, eventually jumped ahead 6-5, to five, but the Yankees scored two times in the bottom of the ninth to win 7-6. to six. Listen to the numbers from 1921 for Babe Ruth. League-leading totals, 59 home runs, 457 total bases, 177 runs scored, 171 runs batted in, 144 walks, on base percentage of 512, slugging percentage of 846, second in the league with 44 doubles, third in the league with a 378 average. Rippy, even for a sabermetrician like yourself, those numbers will play. Sabermetrician, was that a word or a George Bushism? <laughs> <laughs> 
You've really never heard sabermetrician before? I don't think I've ever heard that. Does that... Okay, the sabermetrics, mathematics, mathematician, sabermetrician. Appreciate that. Um, pretty cool stuff. Pediatrics, pediatrician. No, we get it. Do you use it in a sentence? His OPS would have been off the charts. I wonder what his war would have been. Probably pretty good. Earlier today, Richard called Rippy a sabermetrician. There, boom. He used it in a sentence when you heard the word for the first time. That's true. Then I would proceed to question. Rewind the tape. (laughs) Listen to those numbers, though. Fifty-nine long balls, four hundred fifty-seven total bases, scored one hundred seventy-seven, drove in one seventy-one, one hundred forty-four walks. 512 OB, 846 slugging, 44 doubles, and hit 378. That's pretty absurd. And I wonder if the people smoking cigs and drinking nickel beers in the stands were complaining about the baseballs being juiced. I don't know. <laughs> Do you think he was on some sort of PEDs? I don't yes. even know if they had Whiskey. like PEDs. Yeah, that's a good point. But, I mean, those numbers hold up over any era of anything. It's why he's Babe Ruth. We're talking uh, 98 Back in my day, home ago. run Baker only hit three home runs and led the league. <laughs> How, what, was, what was the size of Babe Ruth's bat? I love that you asked that question. Like, I just happen to know. How the, I, the dimensions I just, of the man's no, bat. I just, I just thought that was one of those things that because he swung a, a telephone pole. Well, yeah. I'm sure Twitter can tell me, or uh, Google can tell me. If only we had a device that could answer these questions. He swung a thirty a thirty eight ounce bat. Swing, That's swing half of what Rippy weighs. Eight. It's close. <laughs> Jeez. A thirty eight ounce bat. Is he still the best player ever? No. No? No. Not for me. Who is it for you? I put Aaron and Mays above him. Even when you combined his offensive numbers and his pitching numbers? I'll grant you that, but eh, no. No. I mean, is that like weight bias? Why would I enough? be weight biased? I don't Why know. Why would I, of I'm, all the people on the earth, I'm be weight biased? I'm trying to come up with a reason that you would not make him the I greatest don't like player it. of He's all time. <laughs> this moment in sports history has been brought to you by Acoustic Wave in Ridgeland. AcousticWaveMS.com. <laughs> Give them a call at 855-563-6100 for more details. Sports Talk Mississippi Wednesday afternoon. Thank you for being with us. Weekend just around the corner. Hey Dad's cooking out this weekend and everybody's invited. You need instructions, just uh, shoot us a message on the uh, ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. We'll forward you the directions to Hey Dad's... Wait. Was that... Didn't you say you were inviting people? I feel like if we're going to do that and we're making a public statement of it, I should be allowed to expense the grocery bill for everything I need to buy now. Oh, you're welcome to expense it. I just can't promise you that it'll get paid. Oh, no, I need that. I need the uh, 
Expensing something is one thing. Being reimbursed for your expenses is <laughs> that's an altogether different thing. That's what I hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're... I mean, if you ask K-Dad nicely and you offer to bring something and you convince him that you're an interesting person that won't be obnoxious, he might invite you to his Saturday cookout. So Borky's not coming? I didn't say that. You oh, just said I think I'm you just... Well, oh, I won't I'm be here anyway. <laughs> Where will you be? I'm going to New Orleans. Yeah. Which is ah. on Saturday? Yeah, and I'm kind of worried about it because, I mean... You know, we're three weeks out. But Let's say I, I love going to I love going on trips with my nine month pregnant wife at home. Well, she <laughs> it was actually her idea, okay. believe it or not. Oh, it's it was, a trap, Borky. Well, nah. she, it, it was her idea because she wants me to turn around and take her to Atlanta for a uh, Celine Dion concert in January. So this is like the hey, I think you should do this. This would be a great idea. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Which uh, I'll have That's to suffer. That's the one you went to? I'll have to suffer That's the through Celine that. song you went to, Richard? My God. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'll be on call, basically. I have to drive set. There's six of us going. I have to drive separate just because, you know, if I get the phone call that he's coming. Is anybody gotta, at least going to ride with you? I, have to, I mean, I'm going separate. I have to have my own car. So I, I can, understand that, but if there's six of you, surely one of your buddies can be like, hey, man, I'll well, ride with you. I'm leaving a little bit later than everybody else just to limit the time down there as much as possible just for her comfort they're leaving at like 7 a.m saturday i am i will not be okay uh but yeah going to new orleans going to the bucks game and uh uh, we'll come home on on sunday and you know hopefully he doesn't come between now and then yeah you'll be good i mean we're three weeks out right i mean we're going to the doctor tomorrow and we'll get a a final like okay you're good or no you have to stay because he's coming now kind of thing but you, you remember when francis was born Two years ago. I do. There was... You a, make me look bad, by the way. You didn't miss a day. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I mean, that's, that's, not the, that's not the point. I think I missed a day. Like the day that she was born. Yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. But there was a great deal of concern because I was scheduled to do a regional. And I had not told anybody at ESPN Ooh. that my wife was pregnant. <laughs> And I was hopeful that I was going to get the Oxford Regional, which turned out not to be the case. I got shipped to South Carolina, Conway, oh, South yeah, Carolina. Yeah, the Coastal Regional. I remember That's that. right. Turned out we went in the Monday before the SEC tournament. And the doc said, everything looks good. Uh, we'll see you guys at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning. And Jane goes, uh, tomorrow morning? I'm doing like a week and a half. You're having this baby tomorrow. We'll see you at 5. Well, all right then. And so we showed up at 5 the next morning, and she had the baby at, I don't know, 1 or so. And then we got home from the hospital on Wednesday afternoon, I think. Maybe on Tuesday. Yeah, I went home Wednesday afternoon, and I got in the car and started driving to Hoover for the SEC baseball tournament. And I thought, yeah, I remember all this now. I thought, this is a really bad idea. <laughs> 
what can really be gained by me going for two days to the SEC baseball you tournament? You came back, right? You got I, halfway I, there. I, and... Yeah, now I got like to Pontotoc and turned around okay. and went back to Oxford. So, uh, the uh, uh, anyway, one out. It's time for the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Then you can uh, test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. You will want to do more than just test drive one. You will want to take one home with you. All right, had some media availabilities yesterday. Let's talk a little bit about those. Rippy, let's start in Oxford. Uh, Ole Miss did not make available John Rice Plumley or uh, Matt Corral, but uh, they did make Kadir Shepard available, and it turns out maybe you learned more from Kadir Shepard than you would have anyone else. I always learn something from Kadir Shepard. Oh yeah, I do. What do you know? What else have you learned from him? Well, hold on. What did you learn yesterday? I mean, he was. There was about a minute and a half in the interview, and he was getting questions about the pass rush and all kinds of stuff. And then he said, "We're going to do some combo stuff." Oops, I'm not supposed to tell you all that. He started laughing, and then someone jokingly said, "Who's starting at quarterback?" And he said, "I think my boy John Rice." So, whatever you want to make of that, I, I didn't put too much stock in it. Everyone got a good laugh out of it. I would be surprised if that were the case, but you would be surprised if Plumley starts. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. If they come out and he runs the first couple plays of the game and they hit Vanderbilt quick for like a couple of QB runs, I would be surprised if he is the every-down quarterback and Matt Corral does not play. Is that fair? So you don't think it's a Plumlee's the starter, Corral's the backup kind of thing? No, I think there's a... I mean, this is just completely my opinion. This is not sourced by anything or anyone. But... I, You've got to be able to be more of a threat throwing the ball. And right now, I think Corral is further along as a passer. So I think they will use both, and I think they will use Plumlee's feet, as they would be very smart to use Plumlee's feet, because that quickness is real. What do you think the possibility is that they uh, sent Kadir Shepard out with an agenda to like draw everyone into a trap? Oh, I would say zero. Okay. I mean, what trap can you draw him into, though? You know, it's not like Derek Mason is sitting here watching these press conferences. Oh, you videos. don't think that made it back to Derek Mason? Oh, it made it back to him, but it's not like they're sitting here watching, waiting to hear what is said, mm-hmm. and so they decide how to game plan. They are putting in defensive packages for both guys. Well, Kadir Shepard speaks for Kadir Shepard. What other things have you learned from Kadir Shepard? Jeff and Grenada, you ask who is he? He's a defensive end in the three-four defensive alignment for the Mississippi Rebels. <laughs> All right, I mean, Jackson, was, calm down there. He was the uh, – I, I like him because he's very, very honest and he's very refreshing and he, uh, you know, he doesn't use bottled answers and canned answers. I mean, he was a guy last year – we really want to bring this back up. You remember he had the flop that Ole Miss turned into – Ole Miss Video Productions, who was very good at their job, uh, turning the video into the whatever – I don't even know what you call that video of him flopping. Does everyone know what I'm talking about from the Arkansas do, game? Yes. Yeah, I'd yes. forgotten about that. Well, and that same media conference, like they were – he was asked some question about some kind of miscommunication on a play or something and where the guy broke a big run, and he basically said, I turned around and I effed up. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> that was that was his answer. Oh, it happens. Did, didn't, he, um, um, didn't he make some <laughs> comment about the club being a weapon? 
He did. He he, uh, he said something earlier this year about how he's gotten used to it and that he can use it as a weapon. I think he was joking. Obviously, I like Kadir Shepard. I think he's funny. I think he's he's a good football player. He's very honest. Um, sometimes brutally honest. Probably too honest for media relations liking. But you know, be that as it may, I feel like I should probably the next time I have even the possibility of an opportunity. Have him come join us on the radio for the uh, post game show. Uh, Live radio, yeah, you, you can try. What do you mean I can try? I got a feeling we won't be speaking to Mister Shepard any t- again this year. You think they're going to take him away for that? Maybe I don't know. Hmm. I mean. He did say something and then say, oops, wasn't supposed to tell you all that. I'm telling you, it's a trap. Maybe so. Um, someone texts in and says, heard on radio Plumley was named the starter, and that's not true. On this radio show? No. Had to be somewhere else, because we did not insinuate that at all. Yeah. Uh. I mean, there's nothing to insinuate. That hasn't happened. Yeah, I mean, it, the guy said he thinks that it's going to be his boy. You know, like that, that's that doesn't mean anything, and people have taken that and run with it. And oh, I think you're backpedaling. <laughs> Who? No, Borky. <laughs> I'm just messing oh, mess oh, with like, everybody wait, what? now. <laughs> what? Are you thoroughly confused? Everyone got a good laugh out of it. I, I would be surprised. Hmm. Let's see. Says, heard on the radio, Plumley was named the starter. Somebody responded, that is not true, and this guy responds with USA Today. Oh, Gannett doing Gannett things. That's lovely. They have radio? <laughs> they can afford that? They could have been citing. Yeah. They Repeat. probably put it in a five-part slideshow. <laughs> click, click, John, click, click, Reese, click. Plumley. Rice. That's three right there. It's, it's rice. It doesn't matter. Well, I mean, it kind of does, though. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Wednesday afternoon. Glad to have you along. Uh, so we talked about Kadir Shepard. Was there anything else from the uh, media opportunity yesterday, Rippy, that was um, insightful? Not really. I mean, they went to a seven-man lineman rotation for the first time for significant snaps this year with Jalen Cunningham got 43 snaps and then um, which will help their depth some up there because I think probably one of the lost storylines was that the offensive line is playing better, played better, whatever you want to make of that. But other than that, no, not really. Yeah. There's an opportunity for it to be. For for what to be? It to be insightful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alas. Um, hey Dad, what about in Starkville? Joe Moorhead yesterday? Yeah. Uh, well, for the part that I got and? to hear because <laughs> the part that I got to hear because they changed the time at the absolute last possible minute, and I couldn't make it to the uh, to the building, but from the studio in time because I got there for like the last three minutes. But I've I've since caught up. Um, Stevens, nope, not has not practiced this week. They're trying to hopeful to have him back on Sunday. Obviously, Schrader's getting a lot of reps because this week, not only is he working with the ones, but they're trying to work a lot more with the young guys during the bye week. So he's getting a ton of reps. That that, that seems like a good thing to me. Um, asked about Rutgers and uh, you know shot that down. Nothing going on there. 
Talked a lot about recruiting uh, this week uh, because that's what, you know, starting on, uh, I guess, tomorrow, uh, he and the staff will be out, uh, and that's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be recruiting, uh, and the players will have a few days off. Um, so he had, a, he had a lot to say about that topic. I did ask him, I asked, you know, with Schrader not looking like he's going to redshirt now, does that change anything for you quarterback-wise in this class? Do you think you might need to go get another one? He said, no, he's just going to stick with the one guy he's got. That's currently uh, Brandon quarterback Will Rogers, who's been committed uh, since the spring. Um, but beyond that, I, I find that a little hard to believe, to be honest, because I will be shocked if both Keaton Thompson and Jalen Maiden are still on the roster after spring practice. So maybe they go to the grad transfer market again. I, I don't know. Uh, but that was his answer at this time. Hmm. Hey, hey, Dad. Hey. Have you ever talked to Stevens and Schrader in the same week? Yeah. Did okay. last week. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Like he's putting a beard on? Like a fake beard? No, I was just curious. No, yeah, yeah. We we have <laughs> we have talked to both of them. Uh basically if they're practicing, they'll make them available to us. The quarterbacks anyway. The rest of them. Sometimes you it's hit or miss with the other guys. Okay. So but we talked to Schrader yesterday too, so what did he have to say? Basically, you know, he's the one who told us, you know, he's getting a ton of reps, obviously, and, you know, didn't really know what he was... <laughs> kind of going uh, out on a limb there. Yeah. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of... Uh, Who's getting you know, the second team reps? That's a good question. And, that you know, one that I had I been uh, available to uh, ask him, I might have asked. Um, and I'm talking in terms of, of Moorhead. I don't know that Schrader would have told us. Um, my guess is Keaton Thompson, who, despite the fact we're being told he has an upper body injury, if you were at the... If you were there in the stadium early enough on Saturday, you could see Keaton Thompson throwing the ball 50 yards down the field. So maybe it's his other arm. I don't know. But Wait, are they still hiding behind the he's injured thing? Well, hiding is a strong word. But he, you they, just that, said you saw him throwing the ball 50 yards down the field in full uniform. It doesn't uniform. change the fact that hiding is a strong word. Uh, but that's it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, are they yeah. still saying he's hurt? Yes. <laughs> but he's not, right? If he, like I said, if he is, it, it didn't. Has Mississippi didn't see State the Ill always been this weird about injuries? Do I need to go find that video of Mullen just no, losing his mind? No, I mean I know Mullen. Mullen... Hey, go back to Jackie Sherrill. Huh? Uh, I, well, I, can you be? Will you be Brad Locke? Sure. What I need to say? You just need to say, Dan. These are real questions. That's all you need to say. Dan, That's these are real questions. Ah, well, you know, we got a policy. Um, <laughs> I mean, go back to Jackie Sherrill. You know, you know, seven has a shoulder, twelve has an ankle. I mean, it's just, it's I, maybe it is. It's just an MSU tradition. I don't know what Kroom said for injuries. I've tried to block as much of that as I can out. I just don't get it. Well, it is what it is. Wait, so Sherrill used to just confirm that they do have the body part in question. Yeah, but he would only say the number. So if Wayne Madkin had a a wrist injury. Nine has a wrist. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Especially in quarterback two. position. Yeah. You hope he has two. Probably, probably be a bigger story if he didn't. Yeah. Any new developments on Garrett Schrader's neck beard? It's still uh, luxurious and, 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 and lustrous. He should offer to braid it. Oof, that's a bit much. I know you're not an office guy, Richard, but uh, he looks very similar to to Dwight's Mose. brother, Moe's. You just Cousin. described his Cousin. beard as luxurious Cousin. and what? Lustrous. You have a crush on him or something? No. 
bet if they. Uh, I have a beard, though. I would like. I mean, if Mike Beard could do that, I would. Have I would, you I would ever tried? No, I'm pretty sure my wife would stop me about you know a week into you know why haven't you shaved your neck? I don't have a wife. I have the other problem. <laughs> you can't grow. So, but if if we could somehow combine forces, Rippy. Um. All right. So let me ask a uh, a question here that's clearly not going to have an answer. I can't wait to hear it. We got any kind of an indication on a uh, timeline for Tommy Stevens? Yeah, like I said, they're they're hopeful to have him back at practice on Sunday, uh, and then they'll have to sort of just monitor it from there. Here's a I'm not. This is a serious question. At okay. what point, even when he comes back healthy, do you just roll with Schrader? That's that's a great question, and that's the question. Yeah, you know, we we asked that uh, on the podcast. I think we I think we talked about it on the show on Monday, to be honest with you. And that's, I mean, it's getting it's getting close to that point. Kid can it, play. It, it, if Schrader goes up to Tennessee and wins, I, th- I think it, you just sort of have to just, you know, I feel and I feel bad for Stevens, you know, not his fault, just he can't stay healthy. Is it, it would it be different if Stevens had another year of eligibility? Like, is it partly oh, because I think like so, is it partly yeah. because Schrader is kind of? I mean, I'm not calling him the future. I don't know. I know next to nothing about the situation, but because he could be the future, he is. He the definitely he, he definitely is the future. That, okay. Let's get that out. Let's get that straight. Yeah, he he's the guy. Um, I I think you know, if you're Joe Moorhead, you probably feel some sort of obligation to Stevens. You know, you you brought him down here. You, you were them at were with him at Penn State. Now you've got him here. You you sold him on coming here and being a part of your program. I guess you feel like like you said he has no more eligibility. You have to you know give him that opportunity. I don't think he'd be willing to redshirt. And even if he was, Schrader is still here. So. Yeah, it's 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 a tough tough situation for Tommy Stevens. Does Stevens have a redshirt year available? I don't believe so. I, I can't imagine he does. Well, but then you can medical redshirt. He could medically redshirt, yeah. Which I think he would probably get. Yeah, he's very eligible for that if he doesn't play again. Right. Yeah. No, I I do think that it's a a fairly complicated situation, but. At the same time, are you overcomplicating it? You know, when you just you look at it and you look, and you know, you went through it a few years back. We, we you know, with Mullen, with we got to get to a point. Dak. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just say, look, we, we got to get to a point where we've got some consistency at this position. Yeah, where you know, it's obvious one guy, you know, and with Russell, it was a little different because you know he had been at state the year before and had set a bunch of records and then. You know, been really MSU's first real passing threat in God knows how long, maybe forever. And and then, you know, Dak comes in and you start to see that, hey, this this guy has a little bit, you know, he has it. And it's tough. It's tough to get away from that, especially for coaches. You you know, there there's a, there's always loyalty for coaches. Very few coaches are willing to, especially if they've been at the program for a few years, really just willing to just flip the switch and say, okay, I'm going to the next guy. Yeah. Is this a good time for the open date? I think it's a great time. I think it came. It couldn't have been any better. Yeah. Give them a chance to to you know be fully healthy while you're the team you're playing this weekend is going to get physically pounded, uh, and you know give Stevens a chance to rest up and see what happens there. But if nothing else, you're getting Schrader a ton of reps and you're getting him a 
as much experience on the practice field as you can, and hopefully that translates onto the field. And so it's been translating. It's just a, it's. I think it's interesting to find out uh, how much more of the offense he can do after you know a full week like this, where you where you. I, you don't know that he's going to be the starter on Sun on Saturday against or next Saturday against Tennessee, but you sort of feel like he is. Yeah. Andy Staples wrote a piece for the uh, the Athletic that addresses something that just burns me up about SEC football right now, and we'll take a look at it coming up next. Some interesting quotes from multiple coaches and some anecdotal experience to go along with it as well. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey on this Wednesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. You know what stinks? I'll use Ole Miss as an example, and then, hey, Dad, I want you to give me a Mississippi State example as well. Ole Miss and Georgia used to play each other pretty much every year. And then we got to the 14-team SEC schedule. And two seasons ago, is it two years ago? Three years ago, Georgia came to Oxford. Played late September, it's about 100 degrees at kickoff. Jacob Eason was the quarterback. Ole Miss smoked Georgia. Georgia will not come to Oxford again for 13 years. So we're still, what, four years away, three or four years away from Ole Miss making a return trip to Athens under the current scheduling model. And then another six, seven years, whatever, six years, I guess, from Georgia making another trip to Oxford. South Carolina was in Oxford last year, 2018. They will return in 2031. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, It's broken. Give me an example from Mississippi State. Is, that, is it Missouri? Missouri makes its first trip to Starkville next season. That's after, what, eight years of being in the conference. I mean, look at for Florida State. You know, loses to Florida, loses to Mullen. They don't play Florida again until 2025. So that's why I, mean, I talked about it last year. It's like this is probably your only chance because I don't know that Mullen will be coaching Florida in 2025. So Auburn coach Gus Malzahn said something this week that drove home a point that Dan Mullen made last week. Here's what Malzahn said: This will be my first ever time to go to Florida. I've been to every other place in our league, but Florida. This will be a first. Looking forward to it. Yeah, that's pretty unique. In 11 years in the SEC, including a year as Arkansas's offensive coordinator, three years as Auburn's offensive coordinator, and seven now in his eighth year at Auburn? I don't think I did the math right on that. Gus Malzahn has never coached a game in the Swamp. Dan Mullen talked about it last week. Here's what Dan Mullen said. I think we should mix up the league schedule more, to be perfectly honest with you. If you look over the next six years, I think we play Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC team? I think it's an injustice for the kids. We should mix those games up and play more teams from the West. 
But the sanctity right. of the third Saturday in October makes it impossible for us to do this, right? And how's that gone lately? Been a game that we just have to see? I want to point out yet again that next year Mississippi State plays Alabama on the third state Saturday of October. Yeah, I know. So Tennessee and, and Alabama got to play each other every year. because And history. they could still do that. They could still play each other every year. There are ways to get, keep that game, keep Auburn and Georgia, there but are, make it more reasonable. There are a couple of ways you could do that. Number one, you could go to a nine-game conference schedule, keep your two permanent opponents, and then play seven others. So the six from your division – Two permanents from the opposite division and then a rotating. Yeah. Or you could go one permanent and two rotating from the opposite division. That's in a nine game schedule. You could stick with an eight game schedule, which is what we've got right now, but have your opposite division opponents just rotate every year. That obviously would eliminate that. Um, Banner Society put a story out back in August, back in the summer, in which they proposed the idea of getting rid of divisions. I'm a fan. No more East and West, just 1 through 14. Stick with eight games. You have three permanent opponents. And for your other five conference games, you just rotate through everybody. Which means you play... Everybody in the league once every two years. And you play, you host everybody in the league once every four years. And in that system, what is it, the, just the best two records? Two best, two best records yeah. go play in the championship game. Exactly. What's wrong with that? Nothing is wrong with that. So Andy Staples points out in this story that from the Banner Society, Alabama would have permanent opponents, Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee. Iron Bowl's a no-brainer. Alabama, LSU has been the best series in the conference this century. Alabama-Tennessee is the rivalry that has kept this scheduling system from changing all these years, so by all means, keep playing it, writes Andy Staples. He says Auburn would get Alabama, obviously. Georgia, because the Deep South's oldest rivalry and whatnot. It's worth keeping. And Mississippi State. Fair enough. Uh, He says, personally, I'd like to see the Auburn-Florida rivalry reinstated, but the Tigers might balk at having to play Alabama, Georgia, and Florida every year. Plus... Um, they'd still play each other every two years. Yeah. Georgia would have to play Florida and Auburn, obviously. Florida would no. play Georgia in a crossover game. And then you start kind of matching things up. So who would Mississippi State's three be? Ole Miss, I guess Auburn in this situation, and then from the east... I mean, you could keep Kentucky, but they've they've been on there so long. Maybe switch that up. State's other permanent before when they had two permanents was South Carolina. Uh, you could do that. Personally, I'm sure state fans would like like the answer to be Vanderbilt, which has been Ole Miss's permanent for a really long time. Time to switch them up. I mean, my my guess Ole Miss gets Georgia. I no, well, I mean, with Ole Miss, you probably would make it Mississippi State, LSU, and Arkansas. Well, you don't want to get an East team in there? I think everybody should have an East permanent, or what used to be the East permanent. Why? Because I, I think that's I just, I, that's just what I think. Okay. I don't really know that I have a logical reason for it. It just makes sense to sort of, you know, spice things okay, up. Okay, so if you're going Ole Miss, would you go 
obviously Mississippi State. Would you go LSU or Arkansas? You got to keep LSU. You got to keep LSU. So Ole Miss would play Mississippi State, LSU, and then Vanderbilt? Vandy. Yeah, sure. And then they're going to play Arkansas every two years. Yeah. Um, I mean, for Tennessee, what, they're playing Alabama every year. They need to keep Vanderbilt, I Vanderbilt guess. Vanderbilt every year. And then and is then, it... I mean, are they giving them Kentucky? I would give them Florida, to be honest. If they, in case that rivalry ever come, decides to come back. Every group you've said, though, sounds good. That every every example it, and give it, this team those three and they we might all be double good. we might be doubling up here just because we're not really we don't have a piece of doing paper it on paper I mean you know Missouri yeah. is going to play Arkansas A and Arkansas. M and somebody from the East yeah South Carolina yeah, Kentucky sure. yeah Kentucky probably for travel purposes sounds good A and M gets Arkansas LSU, LSU and yeah, South Carolina. Florida, Georgia, who cares? Sure. All sounds good. And then you just rotate through the others. Exactly. If The the goal should be, in my opinion... And, and that's the math, right? I mean, that, right. That, that's, yeah. that's three permanents, five other games. That's eight. Am I doing the math right? Which yeah. means every... So you go through the ten... That aren't your three permanents every two years, right? right. You, and you, would, I would think that you. I mean, I guess there are two ways you could do it. You could either go. Uh, let, let's just say that the teams you're rotating through, you you could go home. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm making this more complicated than it has to be. Instead of instead of me playing Mississippi State at home this year, Mississippi State on the road next year, Georgia home, Georgia road. You could, if you wanted to just shake it up, you could go Mississippi State at home, Georgia on the road, Mississippi State on the road, Georgia at home. Right? I mean, if you wanted to split, I mean, I guess that's making it more complicated yeah. than it My has first to be thought just is for the sake your, of Your permanents are home and away every other year. So you're well, one of the state. Yeah. Well, uh, but I'm saying it's like, there's no, there's no. Okay, so let's say states three permanents are Auburn, Ole Miss, Kentucky. You're playing all three of those teams at home year one, and then you're playing them all on the road year two. It's huh. not okay. Auburn's at home, and then Ole Miss is on the road, and then Kentucky's at home. It's not two out of three. All three are on the are at home one one season. All three are on the road the next season. Fair enough. Walter in Houston says this is a waste of time. Well, I don't know if it is, Walter, because I actually think that there is this an educated an educated opinion here. This discussion is happening. Obviously, Andy Staples wrote about it. You've heard a couple of head coaches talk about it, and it's happening at the league office level. There's not a huge appetite right now for a nine-game conference schedule. But there are people that are extremely concerned about the way the schedule sets up right now. And it's not just, oh, it's sad that Mississippi State doesn't play Missouri until they've been in the league for eight years. It's part of the reason that attendance issues are down is because of what we're dealing with, where you don't see a team come through 
but every 13 years it's your place. They believe that's a problem. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.